Koppel Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempt from registration requirements. I wish that our stock market were as honest as every casino I go into. The gambling propensity is strong in people to do mathematically unintelligent things. Welcome to Libel on Fire with Libel Sternbach, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams as fast as possible with as little stress as possible. Libel Sternbach is the author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel's advice has been featured in countless publications, including Reader's Digest, USA Today, Yahoo Finance, CNN Business, Investment News, and and Market Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Libel on Fire. Welcome to this episode of Libel on Fire, Amazon's best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel Sternbach is with us, and if you like more information from Libel, I want to get it out here early, yields4u.com. Yields, the number 4u com libel i'm glad you're with us hello and welcome back hey how are you doing today unbelievable i'm glad uh, you're with us because we've got a lot to get to today and i'm just at a loss as to where we go we've we've talked about inflation we've talked about uh, the predicament that retirees find themselves in right now can you start us off with some good news as we go into this segment today so that <laughs> <laughs> we can start with a smile on our face for a change Yes. So I will, um, I was reviewing, um, I was reviewing some economic data uh, the other day. And so I'm going to give you what I think are the highlights that, you know, it's easy to get down with everything that's happening in the, in the market that's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, we have, you know, we know interest rates are rising. So it means, right. you know, taxes are going to go up. It also means that, you know, any of these bonds that you bought are going to go down in value. So it's very hard. It's very easy to get down on everything. But let's, and it's easy to translate all this market activity and say, well, our economy must not be doing well, right? If the market goes down by 10%, then is our economy going down by 10%? If the S&P 500 goes into correction territory or the NASDAQ or goes into you know recession, does that mean that our economy, is it a reflection of our economy or is it, you know, or is it just gamblers, right? Um, what exactly is it? What does it mean and how does it match up? So I was looking into it to see, you know, is it an indicator? Are there investors out there who are seeing data that, you know, maybe I wasn't looking at and they are seeing something in the economy that they're scared about the future, right? Because the, the market is supposed to be an expectation, people's expectation of the future. Uh, it's supposed to be, you know, I think this company is going to do well in the next, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever. And so therefore I'm willing to pay a premium for it. Mm-hmm. Or if I don't think they're going to do well, I'm going to try to sell my stuff and I'm not going to give them as much of a premium. Um, and, and, and that's how, you know, in theory, the market works. In, in reality, not so much, but in theory, that's how it works. So I was looking at some economic data and we've got, we really do have some really good things going for us. We have the labor market has is unemployment is down to like three and a half percent. And that doesn't count all the people 
who are um, that doesn't count all the people who are working non-traditional jobs, um, working things that the Fed isn't counting, that isn't being counted in that unemployment number. It doesn't count people who, you know, are um, who, who aren't seeking jobs um, and won't be seeking jobs. So we've actually we've got a really good for, for the for the first time in in in, in very in recent memory and in a long time, mm-hmm. we have anyone who wants a job can have a job. Not only do they have a job, but employers are competing to give people jobs, which means people are demand are able to demand the highest salary that they've ever been able to demand. Can which, you imagine making $24 an hour at Target? I, I, yeah, of. Right. And <laughs> And guess what? Those those wages, I don't think they're going to go away, right? It ah. might come down a little bit, but but I don't think that they're going to go away so quickly. Um, we're we're going to see some normalization because we're right now at a height for a number of reasons. But what I do believe, right, that what we're seeing um, with COVID kind of brought to light a whole bunch of uh, weaknesses in our economy. It, it highlighted over the last 30 years, the world has become more globalized. We've, we, we have, you know, this just in time manufacturing so that, you know, I, I order a device uh, in my house in, you know, Long Island and it gets, the order gets placed with a company in Germany and they place an order with five companies around the world. And then it gets all shipped and assembled by another factory somewhere else. Right. And then it comes over in a container ship the next week um, and gets shipped all the way to my house. And there's now like 50 people involved in making, you know, this mechanical pencil I ordered, right. Or whatever it is. And everybody's working. And everybody's working. Everyone's getting paid good money um, for their local economies. They're all getting paid good money. I mean, nobody's getting taken advantage of here and everyone's benefiting. And it's it's been great, right? I mean, it's driven. Uh, it, it helped China go from, I think it was an average of five cents a day that people are making to now there it's like $5 a day. Um, and that's and that doesn't include the fact that they have this huge middle class um, that is, you know, that that really has luxuries for the first time in history in China, um, and we've brought up the poverty level. You know, the the overall wealth of the world has increased dramatically over the last thirty years. So it's it's a net positive all around. However, COVID came along and disrupted all of these supply chains, all of these amazing manufacturing capabilities that we built up, all of this stuff that's possible because of instantaneous global communication, COVID came and disrupted all of it. And it highlighted the fact that countries cannot rely on a global marketplace for critical and essential goods. And it's something that, you know, like the preppers and the the doomsayers have been warning about for years. I mean, really for decades, but everyone kind of ignored them because we were all making money. We were ma- earning more than we have for a very long time. Um, people were living longer. You know, everyone was enjoying this wealth. But COVID came along and really, really shone a light and you know uh, made us face this this downside of globalization. You mentioned that uh, that you gave us a really good essay there of how you can get that mechanical pencil and all the people who are getting paid as a result of that. And now there are not enough truckers. Now there are not enough cars. 
uh, the price of a car, if you can get it, is at least a couple times more expensive than it was. And maybe that used car is more expensive than a new car. So how does all of this libel factor in with interest rates and inflation? How does, where, where is the nexus for this? Part of all of this has been possible because money has essentially been free. And we've had this instantaneous uh, communication, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now we have this incentive that they, that, not only companies are placing, but the governments are going to be placing to manufacture goods at home, or at least manufacture essential goods at home, which means that inflation is the the average price of goods, right? If I pay a dollar for a loaf of bread, you know, tomorrow is a dollar ten, or I get a smaller loaf of bread. Right. Well, I don't know if you you know, you remember back in the day when there was only a few car manufacturers and we didn't have, you know, all these foreign automobiles. Yeah, the and, big three. Yeah. And, 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 and it was expensive and you didn't have as many features. And yes, it was a better car. And yes, the door weighed, you know, 500 pounds. And if you, you know, leaned <laughs> against it, it didn't, you know, crumble under you. Um, but at the same time, it costs money. Right. And we have this globalization and the fact that we have, you know, cars being assembled in three different countries that or five different countries that allow the price to come down. So if we bring these stuff back in and we mandate that more goods are manufactured at home and the people, you know, this this national pride and it's not just going to be national pride. It's going to be I want to know that when I order my iPad or whatever it is that it's going to come. And when businesses need that essential equipment, they can't wait, you know, weeks or months for a computer for their new employee. They want to know that they're going to have it, you know, in a few days. Right. And that means they're going to be willing to pay more money for it. And they're going to have to pay more money because it's being manufactured in the U.S. where it's being manufactured in their home country where wages are higher and the, the supplies are going to have to be imported. Right. Which right now we're manufacturing a lot of things in the countries where the supplies are or we're shipping it where it's cheap to ship it to. All of this is going to drive inflation, which is also something that I think the central banks are looking at and they don't really know how to handle it. But it's going to be a driving force for inflation. So while we're we're saying that, yes, we have these you know inflationary pressures that may be transitory because of covid because, you know, workers were out because they were sick and ports were getting shut down and, you know, people were ordering more. So it's harder to ship things. At the same time, we also have this other pressure that has developed as a result. And I think that, you know, Russia going into Ukraine is really driven at home even more that you can't you can't necessarily rely on these foreign trading partners for essential goods. And so I think we're going to see a certain amount of inflation is just going to become permanent because of that. I think we're going to be fighting inflation for the near future as the world figures out what this new balance is. And the stock market, it doesn't, this is unprecedented. We're everyone is going to be trying to figure out who is the winners and who are the losers in this new world order. It's interesting. So you're making a case from my perspective, libel that inflation is both good and bad. Yes, yes. There, there are very few things in in life, especially when it comes to the economy, that are purely good or bad. Interesting. 
We're talking about interest rates and inflation and how they work together or work against each other. So what does inflation mean for the retiree? So for the retiree, it means that we have an extra burden on our portfolio um, that we have to grow our portfolio faster than we had to before. And the easiest way to think of inflation in retirement is as a market loss. It is literally no different than losing your money in the market. Actually, it's worse than losing your money in the market because you don't get to compound your growth on that, right? Mm -hmm. Your buying power, if you're if you're if you lose money in the market, right, the market's going to come back and it will recover if you just hold on to your stock long enough. With inflation, if you're holding on to something and it doesn't grow faster than inflation, you're never it's not like it's ever going to come back. You have to make sure that you're invested in things that will be compensated for inflation. And that's something that does take a certain amount of active management. You can't just buy and hold and hope for the best. You got to make sure that you're buying and holding into things that that have uh, a reason to grow faster than inflation. And you need to time it. We got to time it. And also, if you like more information, I was just thinking as you were going through libel that I, I need a rule book. And I think you can get that information just by going to the website, yields for you That's yields you.com that's yields the number four the letter u.com this is libel on fire thanks for listening to this episode of libel on fire if you have questions about today's topic please submit them on our facebook group at libelonfire.com slash facebook and if you would like a free signed copy of living with financial anxiety and authenticity visit libelonfire.com now, back to Libel on Fire. The author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity is Libel Sternbach, and he's here with us today. Libel, welcome back. You are on fire. We've been talking about some great topics the last several weeks. I'm glad you're here. Yep. I want to continue our last conversation where we we're talking about. Um, the economy. Um, and what I wanted to talk about was, so while we, we have all these inflationary pressures that, you know, we've been talking about and they do, they can hurt the economy. We do have this, all these drivers that are going to drive economic growth within our countries. And so each nation individually is going to have this, you know, the economies that are related to essential goods, are going to be driving because people are going to be bringing those essentials back home. Mm -hmm. And when we look at the economic data, where our economic data, we took a dip, um, you know, for COVID, but then it came right back up and we're still, that trend line is still going. So even despite of all the volatility, the market going down and, you know, war and everything, at least when it comes to companies investing in the future in the U S or within their own nations, we're, we're still on track to keep growing. And I think that uh, that is hugely positive to me. And when we look at the fact that, you know, unemployment is so low, I think, I mean, what that tells me is that we're going to have an issue 
you know, getting employees, which means we're going to start bringing in more uh, people into the country, or we're going to be pulling people out of retirement to work. People who haven't been looking for jobs are going to start looking for jobs, which just helps us because it means more money is going to stay within the economy. Um, and when we look at the manufacturing capacity in our country, I think we're at like 75%, which means we still, without having to build more factories, we still have plenty of capacity within our own system to grow. Mm -hmm. So I think that like, to me, we have, when you look at economic data and when we look at the confidence of manufacturers in the US, it's green lights across the board. It's really interesting. When we were together the last time you talked about how COVID has thrown us a curveball. you talked about the war and so forth and uh, maybe tapping into our own oil reserves. But the way that you're positioning it, Libel, it seems as if all of this really are good things that can really have some positive impacts on our economy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think overall, economically, I think we're going to do well. I think most Western nations are going to do well. Uh, the people who are going to be hurt the most are the emerging economies that have historically relied that we've outsourced because labor is cheaper there. They're going to be they're going to get hurt. Um, because we're not going to be outsourcing as much to them. However, right, the same way that we're growing, mm -hmm. we're going to still want to get goods that they manufacture. We're just not going to want to get, you know, we might not send to them to build our high-end electronics, right? Or we might not outsource to them as much of our, you know, let's say food stuff. I mean, the U.S. is a, we, we export more than we import, but other countries that import a lot of food, they may cut back on that. But when it comes to luxury goods, uh, for instance, cars, right? I think that's something that's probably still going to remain outsourced because people can deal with not having their cars for a while, but people can't deal with not having food or not having medical supplies. Right. So you mentioned earlier about our debt, that $30 trillion worth of debt. Uh, how do you think that inflation will impact that debt? So. I think that our country did the right thing taking on that debt. I, I happen to be with Janet Yellen's uh, opinion on this, that we, you know, the federal government took on this debt. It was really cheap. It was free money. So just like all these real estate investors that we, you know, you see on TV, you read in the newspaper, uh, you know, you hear them everywhere on social media. They got this free money out of the system that the federal government was pumping into it. They, and they went and they bought real estate and they built, you know, these business empires and it was the right decision for them. I think the same way it was the right decision for our federal government to take, to borrow that money at those really cheap interest rates mm -hmm. and invest in our economy, invest in our infrastructure. And the fact that we have this capacity, the fact that we have brought back high end manufacturing in the U.S. and the fact that we um, have really efficient manufacturing capabilities, I, I think that that was the right decision. The timing, you know, could have been better. We could have been more prepared for interest rates going up. Um, it didn't have to come on the back of COVID. It didn't have to come on the back of a war um, it, it, that is bringing it, going to bring an energy crisis and, you know, a, a moral conscience. Sure. But, you know, I think that, you know, overall, we're well positioned for it. And we, we, we as the taxpayers have gotten a lot of value out of it. As retirees, though, the retirees are going to pay the 
bigger portion of this bill than everyone else. People are working. Inflation isn't going to hurt them as much because their wages are going to increase. Not only that, but we don't have enough people to staff all of the manufacturing that's going to come back at home. So we're going to need, you know, that's going to drive wage uh, wages up even more. So that's a that's a good, you know, a net positive for employers. Uh, sorry, employees. Um, right. On the flip side, for retirees who aren't getting that, they're going to get kind of squeezed because the federal government's not going to be able to spend as much money on them for services. So that means Social Security is going to try to find more ways of cutting back. Medicare is going to try to figure out more ways of cutting back expenses. It means states and the federal government are going to look for more ways to tax the assets that retirees have. And keep in mind that retirees have a large majority of the wealth of the United States. Um, They're sitting on these huge sums of money and the federal government has been looking and they have passed laws consistently over the last, you know, every few years, they pass laws that tax more and more of that money uh, prematurely than they have in the past. So the more that we can uh, convert our, you know, uh, uh, tax me in the future money to tax me now when I choose money, the Mm -hmm. better off that we'll be. And you'll, I mean, it it doesn't take um, a lot to Google search, you know, tax-free retirement to see you know, a million and one people advocating for this, uh, not necessarily all for the right reasons or the right methods. Um, but this concept of, you know, taxing, thing, paying the taxes when it is when it is advantageous to you and not to the IRS or not to Congress is yeah. uh, critical. And there are a lot of unique opportunities right now to do it now before they take away those opportunities. So given everything, it sounds as if you're saying that you do believe that taxes are going to go higher. I, I do not see a world where it will not go higher. Um, so historically, if you look at a a chart of the, and you plot out the tax rates of the United States. So our highest marginal tax rate was right now, you know, 39%. Um, where the, the highest it's been is actually 90% for during World War II. Um, we were 70% in the 80s. Um, you know, so the top line, I don't think, you know, it'll go up a little bit. It's not going to go up that much, mainly because raising the highest tax bracket doesn't actually bring in more tax revenue because rich people can afford to figure out ways to get around it. <laughs> um, the people who can't uh, uh, feed an army of lawyers to figure out how to get around the tax code is, you know, the 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 average Joe who's, you know, they 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 try to do their own taxes, they try to save as much as possible, they have a finite amount of money, or they're just working and they don't have opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so Congress is going to come out after your money because it's easy pickings. And they right now, the lowest tax rate, right, is 10%. And that's, that is the lowest it's been historically. Um, We were even in the 90s, it was higher. So I definitely see us getting higher. And I know it's, you know, it's easy to, um, I know we feel the taxes are really high. And we'll always feel the taxes are really high. But when you chart it out in the tax foundation has mm-hmm. this really great chart where they ta- map out the tax rates of different countries, we are actually number 32 when it comes to tax rates. So what do you do? So the lowest, the lowest, <laughs> yeah, one of the lowest. Yeah. So even, even with us being the lowest, 
how can Johnny Lunchbucket, the person who's worked all of his life or the person who's just about ready to retire, how can they reduce their tax bill in retirement? So reducing your tax bill in retirement is about taking advantage of uh, rules in the IRS tax code that allow you to choose when to pay taxes on your assets. So there are, there are you essentially have two, two main options that people have available to them. One is on your retirement accounts, when you convert them from being you know, a traditional 401k, a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, when you do that conversion, it goes from being you know, tax, uh, tax deferred, meaning that you pay income tax when you take it out, but it grows without paying taxes on it. And you then pay income tax at the point of the conversion, and it now can grow tax-free uh, indefinitely. Um, so that is one option. And right now, when the market is down and we're about and we're we're staring down the barrel of inflation, now is the time when you want to do that because those factors will work for you. The the market being down means that your portfolio is worthless, which means worth less, which means when you convert it, you're going to pay less in taxes. And we know the market's going to come back. It's going to come back eventually. How long, you know, only, you know, only history will know. Um, but we know it will come back. So if we can convert it, pay that lower tax, and then grow and hold on to it to grow so we combat inflation, and especially if we do it the right way so that we're not liquidating that and we can participate in that recovery, um, I think that's hugely adv- advantageous. Um, There's other things like, you know, in your taxable accounts, switching to tax aware strategies so that you're not paying short term capital gains tax, which gets taxed as ordinary income. So Mm -hmm. we need to, with the with the eyesight knowing that, uh, with the foresight of knowing the taxes are going to go up, we want to start positioning our assets in a way that is tax efficient. It sounds like you're also building a case here liable for having a, an expert financial advisor to guide you through this, because I know that you can read uh, uh, newspaper clipping for those who haven't uh, figured out yieldsforyou.com yet. But it really, you really have to be savvy in this whole idea of retiring, investing, not gambling so much, but uh, making study decisions. Yeah, you are, you, and you don't want just a financial advisor, you want somebody who is an expert in who is an expert in the tax planning, the advanced tax planning. So somebody like myself, who's an enrolled agent with the IRS, um, who has that specific training when it comes to managing that tax liability. So you want somebody who has that, who has the investment management experience and the knowledge when it comes to retirement, because investing for retiring for retirement is different than investing for your working years. Right. It's accumulating wealth is a lot easier when you're not taking money out. As soon as you start taking money out, things like inflation, tax rates and market returns and timing the market become critically important. Mm -hmm. So do you have a final thought for us this week as we consider the the rates of inflation, uh, the impact on taxes and retirement? What's one thing that we should take with us into the rest of this week? You need to find yourself, get yourself an education on the the questions that you should be asking when it comes to the financial decisions in retirement. Um, Nobody can want your retirement more than you. And 
there are a lot of people who are really good in lots of situations, but you want somebody who is an expert and knowledgeable in your specific life situation. Um, And you want, you want to either learn from them or you want to hire them to do it for you. That's Libel Sternbach. He is on fire. You can get his book. It's called Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. He's a best-selling Amazon author. And also visit the website, yieldsforyou.com. That's yields, the number four, the letter U.com. He's Libel Sternbach, and he is on fire. That's all the time we have for this episode of Libel on Fire, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams. If you have questions about today's topic, please submit them in our Facebook group at libelonfire.com Facebook. And if you would like a free copy of Libel's book, Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity, visit libelonfire.com. Thanks for listening. Koppel Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Registration as an investment advisor is not an endorsement of the firm by securities regulators and does not mean that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. All investment strategies can result in profit or loss. Information presented on this program is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Discussion should not be construed as any offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell the investments mentioned. Annuity guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Content should not be viewed as legal or tax advice. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation.